0: We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. Well, good morning, One Church TO. Uh, Matt and Margaret are coming back later in our gathering. They're going to sing another song. But before they do, I've got two words for you: try alpha. Can you say those words out loud with me? Try alpha. Because that's the message for everyone viewing this weekend. We want you to try Alpha. Now, what is Alpha? Well, interesting. Alpha is actually the first letter in the Greek alphabet. It signifies a beginning or a starting point. And in the Bible, in the New Testament part, that's the newer part of the Bible, the, the back end of it, if you're looking at a physical copy, the word alpha is used 29 times. And the last time it's used is by the apostle John. And John is describing and scribing the words that God says as he describes who he is. God says this about himself. He says, I'm the alpha and the omega. Omega is the last letter in the Greek alphabet. So in other words, I'm the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Now, friends, a part of all of our lives is an alpha and an omega moment. We all have a beginning and we all have an end. And most of our life, we kind of live it in the middle here. And we know alphas, beginnings are important. We also know that endings are inevitable. So both of them are important, but neither of them demand our attention like the middle does. We're glued to the immediate, the moment that we're actually living in. So it takes time and effort to consider the beginning and end moments. For a couple of minutes today, I wanna explore this idea of an alpha and omega, a beginning and end, because it's a part of all of our lives. So let's start with something really easy. Let's start with something we all know is true. We all have, in terms of our age, we all have an alpha and omega. We all have a kind of beginning point and we all have an ending point. In Canada, the average male lives 79.9 years. And the average female lives 84 years. I guess women live better or something. I don't know what it is, but they live longer than the men in, that are listening right now. So in, that, in terms of that, where are you on this age continuum? Are you kind of leaning towards the alpha end of the age continuum? Maybe you're younger, maybe you're in your 20s, or you're a teenager, a kid. Or are you more on the omega side? I'm closer to the omega end than I am the alpha end at this stage in my life. But here's what you need to know about the age continuum. You know what I wish I knew as I'm up here now back then? I wish I realized that my, it was my present decisions that are forming your future, my future self. It's your present decisions. That's what everyone older than you wishes they knew when they were your age, that it's your present decisions that are actually forming your future s- self. See, It's our alpha moments. It's those beginning moments that determine the quality of our omega moments, those ending moments in our lives. So it's early on in life you form values and boundaries. And even, listen, I just want to commend you. If you're leaning towards that alpha end, I want to commend you for considering your spiritual life and your faith journey. It's really important to begin to process those things at this stage in life because it will form the next stage of life and if you want to live a life with fewer regrets make better decisions now make better decisions now now in terms of this proverbs 22 which is a, a scripture part of scripture and it's a wise saying proverbs 22 says start children off in the way they should go in other words how you start your alpha moments whether it's in a workplace, whether it's being born in your life, in your early childhood, no matter what it is, if you're getting married, those first years, those alpha moments are really important. And every, you know, early childhood educator in elementary school is just nodding their head, uh, teachers nodding their head. Yes. Starting points really do matter. Because why? Because even when you grow old, you will not turn from them. In other words, your starting point will inform your aging point, your future point, your 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 next day point. So alpha moments are a part of all of our lives. And here's what we need to understand about that: doesn't matter where you are in this age continuum, you can have a fresh start. See, this is the beauty of what we're exploring this weekend when we talk about Jesus and alpha. Jesus talks about this, and the Apostle Paul kind of. Encapsulated, it. He says, when we place our faith and trust in Jesus, we get a fresh start, a new start. So it doesn't matter where we are in the age continuum, we can have a fresh start. Here's the truth about aging. And I let Paul Scanlon puts it this way. He said, growing old is inevitable. I have no magic formula to pause the growing old process in your life. Listen, I've grown old. I had hair at one time. It's gone now. Growing old is inevitable, but aging is optional. It's optional. You know, you can tell on that continuum when you're beginning to age. Aging is different than growing old. You can't slow down the old. No matter what, we're moving along towards an omega, an ending in life. But aging is optional. optional. See, you know you're aging when you become brittle, uh, inflexible, when you become uh, more harsh and difficult and critical and jaded. Those are all signs that aging is taking root in your life. And I've met plenty of people that are more at this edge of life who have the mindset, though. They haven't aged uh, in their heart and spirit and mind. They still are exploring life. They're still open. There's a flexibility about them. There's a generosity about them. And they're really lean young in terms of their mindset in this life. Now, here's what you need to imagine and understand on this continuum. You're forming a legacy today. A legacy is simply what people say about you when you leave the room. That's your legacy. That's what you leave behind. And when you, if you're younger in life and you're more in the alpha end, a lot of your legacy early gets formed on what you do and what you've done. So it gets formed around your successes and moving forward in life. As you age in life, it becomes more about who you are and who you've been. So if you're young, remember this. While you're busy doing things, accomplishing things, you know, climbing the ladder, all of those things that are not bad in themselves, Be mindful of who you're becoming, though. What is that demanding of you, and who are you becoming? Because someday you don't want to live with regrets in your future that way. And if you're older in this life, remember this that if you want to be attractive to the people in your life that are more in the alpha end, I hope with each successive year, you're becoming kinder, more gentle, more generous in this life. I'll tell you what. Alpha-leaning people love to be around omega-leaning people that are kind and gentle and generous and there for you. Now, I don't want to just talk about aging. This is an example. These are life lessons. Scripture talks about this. We need to consider our beginning, and we need to consider that there will be an end, and Jesus addresses both of those. But we're here to talk really about spiritually what it looks like to have an alpha moment and an omega moment. See, all of us spiritually has some sort of starting place and we grow across a continuum. Now, you might be saying, listen, Jonathan, <laughs> I'm not on this scale. I-, I haven't even started a faith relationship or a spiritual exploration of Jesus. I'm here because someone told me to be here or I'm not sure why I'm actually here. I don't- I'm not on this scale. Listen, I'm glad you're with us today. I want you to know something, and I hope you discover it by the end of our gathering today, that God knows you, God loves you, and you're not here by accident. We're going to give you an opportunity in this gathering to have an alpha moment, to start a faith journey. Now, if you're, you're listening today and you've been a long time attender at One Church or some church and you have a long track record spiritually, here's what you need to remember though about the spiritual continuum it doesn't work like the age one. <laughs> you can't help but get older. You can't help but move towards uh, the omega moment when it comes to our physical aging. But spiritually, you could have had an alpha moment decades ago and spiritually, you could still be at that alpha moment. You could not have grown. See, here's the truth. Time in church does not equal maturity in Christ. Time in church doesn't necessarily mean we're maturing in Christ. We could have an alpha moment where we experience Jesus or faith and spirituality for the first time, and we could be stuck there because we've never grown in our habits and the decisions we make in life. Listen, here's the challenge for you. If you're brand new, if you're not sure where you are on that continuum between Alpha and Omega, and you're off to, uh, you need a fresh start, we want to communicate to you to try Alpha. Now, if you've been at this for a long time, but maybe you're back at that starting phase, you'd admit today, in a moment of honesty and clarity and openness, you'd say, listen, you know, I'm, I've kind of been at the same place for a long time. Hey, I've got one message for you. Try Alpha.
1: Hi, I'm Nicky. Welcome to Alpha. Life is busy. Every day we ask so many questions. What should I wear? What's the weather going to be like? What's happening today? How am I going to fit everything in? But then there are those bigger questions. Like, why am I here? Where am I heading? Is this it? Is there more to life than this? These are life's big questions. But there's rarely enough time to think them through properly. We all have different perspectives on the meaning of life and faith. And ALPHA is an opportunity to explore life's big questions.
2: This is a great place to come together and talk about them openly and honestly. I'm Gemma. I'm Toby. And this
0: is ALPHA.
3: Um, I go on Google. Google.
4: I definitely Google.
3: I go on Wikipedia.
4: Internet. I uh,
3: scroll through all the different answers and then I try and combine it. And then make my own kind of like cornerstone. Or smart friends. I don't ask big life questions. It's too hard to answer. Google? Or my grandmother? I meditate or I read. When I have a big life questions, I probably go to my family.
5: I haven't really had any mess with this.
6: To
7: my mom or my dad, basically. My mom or my dad, maybe my grand. I get most of my answers from the library in any section there, because I don't really trust the
8: people that I'm around. The key is always to yourself. you got to figure some things out for yourself.
7: If I'm confused, I go to
4: him
1: first. And he confuses me more.
4: But when it's something more personal, I try to find it within myself first.
1: For much of my life, I was not remotely interested in Christianity. In fact, I don't think I'd ever come to something like Alpha. I was not brought up as a Christian. My father was a secular Jew. He was an agnostic and my mother didn't go to church, uh, and I had no interest at all in Christianity. First of all, I just thought it was so boring. Everything to me about church, Christianity, religion, was just dull and dreary, and it kind of made me feel a little bit guilty. I didn't know why, but I just didn't want to have anything to do with it. And I also thought it was untrue. I, I thought I'd sort of thought it through, and uh, I'd come up with these intellectual objections, and i call myself very pretentiously, I call myself a logical determinist. And I quite enjoyed arguing with people who called themselves Christians. And at university, I had a bit of a reputation for being an argumentative atheist. And I also thought it was irrelevant to my life. I couldn't see how someone who'd lived 2,000 years ago, 2,000 miles away, could have any relevance to my life today. It just seemed outdated and irrelevant. But at the same time, Looking back now, I would say something was missing. I say that because I don't think I was living in the moment. I was always looking forward to the next thing in life. So, when I was at school, I was thinking, when I finish my exams, maybe that will be when I'm gonna really start to enjoy life. I finished my exams, and then after about three weeks, I started to think, there's gotta be more to life than this. And I thought, well, maybe when I've left school, that will be what life's all about. And then I left school, and after about three weeks, I started to think, there's gotta be more to life than this. I thought, well, maybe the answer is to get a girlfriend. And somehow, I don't know how I managed it, but I managed to find a girlfriend. Okay, after about three weeks, I started think there's gotta be more to life than this. And, and basically, there was something missing. I was longing for more.
3: Maybe money. What makes me happy? Music. Music, ice cream and cheese.
9: Sleep makes me happy.
3: Going to the gym, seeing my friends, going to the pub, play football. Dogs. Alcohol. <laughs>
8: uh
3: women. Pretty much. The idea of life in general makes me happy. Clothes. Uh women.
9: More to than this.
3: That's a really good question. <laughs> I don't know, I can't tell you I think we're supposed to learn a couple of things There's nothing more I'm still figuring that out to be honest Uh, No It's
0: live in the moment
3: Absolutely, I strongly believe that There's more to life than
1: this
0: No idea, sorry (laughs) Jesus said I
1: am the truth Some people's response to a Christian might be Well, it's great for you You found meaning and purpose in your life But it's not for me But when you think about it, that's not actually a logical position because if Christianity is true, it's of vital importance to every one of us. And if it's not true, it's not great for us because it means we're deluded. C.S. Lewis was one of the great intellectual giants of the 20th century, probably best known as the author of the Chronicles of Narnia. He said this, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. I come from a family of lawyers, so naturally I wanted to look at the original documents and sources. I never really looked at the evidence before and I was astonished at how much evidence there is for the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. For me it was through reading these documents that we find in the New Testament that I came to the conclusion it's true. One of the last cases I did as a lawyer was in the Court of Appeal in front of Lord Denning, an absolutely brilliant mind, perhaps the greatest judge of the 20th century. He said on one occasion that his Bible was his most tattered book in his library. He'd examined the evidence really carefully and he came to the conclusion, it's true. One former professor of history at Oxford University described the resurrection as the best attested fact in history. I hadn't realized how many of the pioneers of modern science were believers. Descartes, Newton, Kepler, Galileo, Locke, Copernicus, Faraday, Kelvin, Pasteur. Francis Collins, one of the greatest scientists of our time, was director of the Human Genome Project, mapping the three billion letters in the human DNA, considered by many to be the most significant scientific undertaking of our time. He describes how he encountered Jesus and came to believe in the truth of Christianity.
8: Well, in the home where I grew up, uh, faith was not something that was talked about very much. Uh, My father was a professor of drama, my mother a playwright. Uh, When I went to college and those discussions in the dorm late at night about religion uh, began to occur, I had no particular reason to attach value uh, to a faith system. It had never been something I was familiar with or had internalized at all. And I assumed that any religious feelings that anyone held must be on the basis of some emotional experience, and I didn't trust those, or on the basis of some childhood indoctrination, uh, which I felt I was fortunate to have missed. I loved the experience of learning about the human body and all of the components of that, and I particularly loved being introduced to genetics. But then I ended up in the medical school curriculum sitting at the bedside of patients with diseases. This was no longer an abstract study of molecules and organ systems. These were real people. And one afternoon, one of my patients, a wonderful elderly woman, much like a grandmother, uh, who had very bad heart disease. Uh, She had a particularly bad episode of chest pain uh, while I was with her. She got through it, and at the end of that, explained to me how her faith was the thing that helped her in that situation. She realized that the doctors around her weren't really giving her that much help, but her faith was. And after she finished her own very personal description of that faith, she turned to me, and I had been silent, and she looked at me quizzically and she said, what do you believe, doctor? And ultimately, I had to admit to myself that her question had made me realize that I had arrived at an answer to the most important issue that we humans ever deal with, is there a God, and I had arrived there without ever really looking at the evidence. And I was supposed to be a scientist. If there's one thing scientists claim they do is to arrive at conclusions based upon evidence. And I hadn't taken the trouble to do that. I was greatly assisted uh, by a pastor who lived down the road who I went and asked about all this and who gave me a copy of C.S. Lewis's wonderful book, Mere Christianity. Because here was an Oxford scholar, a prodigiously developed intellect, who had traveled the same path. Within those pages, I realized for the first time that one can come to belief on a rational basis and that in fact, given the many pointers that one sees around oneself in terms of the universe and it having a beginning and it's fine-tuning in terms of the way in which all those constants that determine the behavior of matter and energy seem to have been set just in a certain very precise range to make life possible. Uh, And many other things, including my beloved mathematics and why they actually work anyway to describe the universe, something that makes you think the creator must have been a mathematician. That brought me then to the person of Jesus Christ. As a person who was historically extremely well documented, that was news to me. I thought Christ was as much myth as history, and I realized after reading more about it, this was a historical figure upon which we have a great deal of evidence for his existence and his teachings, and even his rising from the dead in a literal way. That day at uh, my patient's bedside started a journey for me. A journey that I was reluctant uh, to begin, but I felt I needed to. A journey that I thought would result in strengthening my atheism, but to my surprise, resulted in my conversion.
1: I hate shopping, I loathe it. I I think I'm allergic to shopping. But occasionally my wife, Pippa, persuades me to go shopping and just after Christmas uh, it was the sales and she persuaded me to go shopping and we went into the shop and we bought this very nice new sweater uh, the same color as all my other sweaters and um, we left the shop and we went to buy a present for her and we went into this ghastly shop it was so crowded it was unbelievable and even Pippa had had enough and she said okay we're leaving so we went to leave and as we left The security alarm went off, and the security guys moved in very quickly and they stopped us all from leaving. And like the crowd that was trying to leave was stopped, and the crowd that was trying to come in was stopped. And we were there right in the middle. Uh, The six of us who were going through the security at that one time were all taken off and sectioned off from all the rest. And they wanted to see which one of the six of us had set off the alarm. So they sent one of them through, and that was fine. They obviously hadn't set it off. Then they sent the next one through. They obviously hadn't set it off. Then the third, then the fourth. None of them set it off. So it was left with Pippa and I was standing there. And I thought, oh my goodness, I'm married to a shoplifter. It must be Pippa who's got set off the alarm. So they sent her through and she didn't set it off. So I thought, Oh my goodness, I've obviously got something. Someone must have planted something on me. I'm gonna be arrested, I'm gonna be sent to prison. All the crowd were watching, both sides, they were just watching this criminal who'd been caught going through. So they went through, and as I went through, the alarm went off, they took me to the side, they opened up my rucksack on my back, and there they found this sweater from the other shop with the tags still on it. I felt so guilty. That was like false guilt. I also sometimes experience true feelings of guilt because I do things that are not right, that are not good. And this is the wonderful news that God loves you and he loves me. God came in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you and for me. And on the cross, he took all of your guilt all of my guilt, everything you've ever done wrong, everything I've ever done wrong, said wrong, thought wrong, and he died in our place in order that we could be forgiven. And forgiveness, C.S. Lewis said, it's like a, a recording of our life wiped completely clean. And when we receive that forgiveness we find life and life in all its fullness and that's what Jesus wants for you and for me. Life In all its fullness, life at its very very best. I used to think Christianity was boring, untrue and irrelevant, but when I read about Jesus I realized he was anything but. Jesus said he's the way to God, he's the one who brings meaning and purpose to your life. He said he's the truth, he said he's the life that true fulfillment is found in a relationship with God through him. Alpha is a place where you can be yourself, you can say what you think and challenge everything. No no question is too complex or too simple and what your point of view is, is as important as anyone else's.
2: And over the weeks ahead we are going on a journey together, an adventure to explore the questions of life, faith and meaning. Think of it this way, if you live to be 70, you're going to spend 20 years and 3 months asleep. 10 years and five months watching TV, five years and nine months in some form of transportation, seven years and six months eating and drinking. You have approximately 570,000 hours left to live. So why not spend less than 24 of them asking life's biggest questions?
1: Welcome to Alpha.
5: So I'm always stunned by that stat that we have almost 570,000 hours left in our lives, possibly to do whatever. And we're asking you to try Alpha. So in this interview, I've got my friend, Margaret, Adrian, and Hannah, and they're just going to share about their experience with Alpha Online. So guys, let's just get right into it. So my first question to you is, what did you think Alpha Online was before you even attended?
7: Um, I thought at first that Alpha was going to be a place for where people ask philosophical questions and would argue about beliefs and their doctrines, but it wasn't like that at all. There were phil- philosophical questions. We talked about the big and the small questions, but absolutely no arguments, no one pushing opinions or beliefs, just conversations.
2: Yeah, I, I was worried that it was going to be like, like... A video of people trying to convince other people to be Christians like this is why you should be a Christian and and why everything else is wrong and uh, like I felt like it was going to be really I was worried that it was gonna be really pushy or um yeah
3: pushy. yeah for me I didn't know what to expect to be very honest because um when I first joined it was um right at the beginning before um before the pandemic so to me everything kind of was unpredictable but um you know after having the opportunity to be in it it was such a safe space for um like non-believers and for believers to really just like ask questions. And I believe that alpha was an opportunity really to share your questions and thoughts without um, being judged.
2: Yeah. You know, there, there's not that many safe places that you can talk about, you know, <laughs> the big three bad things like money, religion, and there's something else bad that you're not supposed to talk about, you know, in like <laughs> proper society or something, but there's like, um what I love that it was like, you are, you are here to, talk about religion. You're here to talk about God. Um, and it made it really safe because it, it disarmed people already. If I felt really disarmed where, um, you no, know, I didn't feel scared that I was going to be, you know, talking about something that was going to offend somebody. That person came knowing like the group conversation, people came knowing that you are going to be talking about faith, about God, um, and about what you believe, whatever it meant, whatever, whatever you believed. That was huge for me. mm
7: mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I on top of all of the religious questions that, um, m- like my friends were asking in my in my alpha group, we I unexpectedly built a community, and I think that was such a unique experience because I came in expecting all of these things about like yeah we're gonna get into like these deep conversations and we did, but I had no idea that I would make such good friends.
3: Yeah, I got to say you know um, getting to know people over you know, period of time really made the experience in welcoming each week, um, providing that space for myself to really ask and to share my questions helped me to understand really the importance of community and just kind of really, you know, it was something that I enjoyed every Wednesday, just going to, you know, the topics provided opportunities for conversations, no matter, you know, where you were in your journey, I would have to say. So
5: what would you say now? Because you guys were, I know you've hinted at it, that this was online. <laughs> can you guys tell me about the accessibility? Was it that much easier to be a part of this?
7: Yeah. Accessibility is huge because it doesn't, like, we don't have to physically, like, as much as physical gatherings was great, like, like you can do it remotely wherever you are. Like, I don't have to, like, I don't have to be at home. I could just, like, pull up Alpha on my phone and, like, just, like, the Zoom link and everything. It's, it's great. Like it's not, it's not, it doesn't feel like a hassle to be part of every week. Like just one click away, yeah. join us, you know, like have conversations. It's it's great.
5: That's so true. Cause I had a, a person I invited uh, back when we started this in April, I remember by week four, he was already hooked and he was driving home and he said, you know what? I can't miss this. So he logged in on his phone and listened through audio to the, to the, to the video and then when he got back home, he just jumped into the discussion. Mm-hmm. So this is my last question for all of you. If you're t- you're talking to a bunch of people right now watching online, why should they come?
2: I initially um, joined Alpha because I invited a friend who was asking a lot of questions. And I was like, Oh, I'll join you. And, you know, we can do it together to make it a little bit more comfortable, especially, you know, um, you know, just having like a buddy there, but um, I can't like express more how much it has changed the way I even like like view my own faith walk and um, the way I approach these kinds of questions, and just realizing that like it's not about being right, it's not about any of that, but being really open to to um, the possibilities of what um, can happen through through discussion, even the way um, you change yourself.
7: Yeah, I love what you said about like not being scared of being wrong, Marge. Like mm-hmm. it is. I think everyone should try out alpha because as you go through life you begin to experience things and you begin to wonder a lot about like, just, just looking outside. Like sometimes you'll be like, why are people suffering? Why is there even a God? Like, why does he, like, why do you think he exists? And all of this stuff, like it becomes, sometimes people just bottle it in, but there's a hunger for that, that like people are like, they're, as you go through life, you begin to ask, you begin wondering all of these, these questions. And Alpha is the perfect place to have those open and honest conversations and just share your insights, discuss your small, big questions about people, about, about life.
3: Yeah, I know for me, what I would say, it's really um, just try one session, really, is what I would say. Just try it out once. Um, You know, originally how I got into Alpha is that I really invited my sister-in-law. And um, I was really encouraging her to go. I had no intentions on coin money. <laughs> because um, oh, you were driving from Brampton. <laughs> yeah, exactly. guess. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, I won't be doing this every week. <laughs> <laughs> love you. Um, but, you know, um, just really seeing how it impacted her. And, you know, she asked a lot of questions. And just really hearing from her how each week went, I said, wow, like, I got to try that out at least once. Right? And the beauty about trying it out once is that there's really no real commitment. Um, There's no pressure. If you miss a week, you can always pick up where you left, right? Um, And the groups, the members in the groups, they're understanding. And I think that's kind of like the beauty about being a part of Alpha. That There's that opportunity that, hey, you know what? If if I don't like it, I can leave and that's okay. And, you know, um, if I enjoy it, I can keep showing up every week. And if I miss a week, people understand. So I think that really it's really what i would tell someone really you know just try one session out right and see how it goes that's so
5: good adrian we'll end on that you heard it from him try alpha you've got nothing to lose invite a friend and we'll see you at alpha
6: when we get here everything was a mess for us I start, like, uh, suffering a lot of depression and I thought a lot of, like, uh, taking my life. I leave my family for a couple of months. I start, like, uh, drinking a lot of pills. I remember it was, like, 22 pills per day. Suffering more than 10 panic attacks per day. Everybody in my family was like uh, falling apart. My daughter, my son, my wife. The family was like a mess.
9: My parents coming here, it actually felt quite difficult because it almost like the roles shifted. They didn't know the language, they were immigrants. I was in a very unhealthy place myself and then I had to kind of step up and be almost like their mom through that also see my dad go from being my hero to being a broken person and he would say things like i hate you guys i don't want to be with you
6: a friend of mine he invited me to the church at that point i didn't go to a church, any church i didn't believe in god I just was like a lost. And I went to the Children's Sunday and I hear about Alpha. And this friend uh, invited me to Alpha the, next, the following Monday and we came to Alpha together. It was a fantastic experience. And when I came to Alpha, everything changed in my life.
9: I clearly remember the day that my dad came home and said, I- I've been doing this thing called Alpha. And I thought, like, that's crazy. Like, my dad is doing something at a church. I couldn't deny the fact that my dad had changed so radically. I remember when he asked me to come to Alpha, he said, you'll meet people that will be healthy and good for you. And when he said that, I kind of thought, yeah, that's what I need. I just, I need good friends. I need healthy friends. The first night, I just remember being like, they're all overly friendly, but they're so good. Like if this is true, like I'm never leaving this place. During the last talk, I just remember saying like, okay God, I have all this stuff that I'm doing. I just want you to take it all away. I don't want it anymore. I just want to follow you. I just want to do everything I can to please you and to bring people to know you. And I just felt this this strength that I never had before to quit drinking and then shortly after the day after I stopped smoking and the weekend after I got baptized.
6: I knew that feeling and I, and I was so happy because she got it. She, she got the, the idea, she was extremely happy. Is the happiness. That you're never gonna see before.
9: I am super thankful that you invited me to offer that. Thank you. <laughs> it changed my life. It was, uh... Like, like, like it changed everything for me. Thank you. <laughs> was it me? <laughs>
4: are the glow that stays. You never dim, you never fade. You are the power, the truth, and nothing can stop you. No, nothing can stop you. See yeah.
0: The words of that worship song, and I love that line, you are the end and the beginning of a new reality. And that's what Jesus invites us into. Uh, in fact, at the end of our gathering, pa- uh, Pastor Richard's actually going to have a conversation live with Dory. We just heard Dory's story with her dad just a few minutes ago, and she's going to be joining us from British Columbia, and she's going to be live in the gathering. So drop any questions you might have for Dory about her journey, uh, and so that she has an opportunity with Pastor Richard to respond to that. But you know what's the beautiful thing? She mentioned that when she experienced Jesus, she experienced a transformation, a change. And it's a change that Jesus offers us unlike change we experience in this world, most of the change we experience in this world is from the outside and it tries to get to the inside. But Jesus changes us from the inside out and he invites us into a new way, a new life, the Jesus way. And I I wanna pray with you before I, I end my part of this gathering, I'd like to invite you into a space where maybe you want an alpha moment. You wanna have that fresh start. You wanna have that new start For some of you, maybe you've hung around church, but you you need a fresh start. For others of you, maybe you're on a spiritual journey, but there would be enough of maybe something Nikki said or something we sung, or maybe it was in Dory's story. There's something that ignited or sparked something in you to say, listen, I'm going to take a step into relationship with Jesus today. Now, my words aren't magical, but if they echo what's in your heart already, you can join me in this prayer And you can have that fresh start today. So I'd welcome you to pray with me. You can pray these words if this is where you're at. Thank you, God, for sending your son, Jesus, to look for me. I'm coming today to ask for transformation and change. I want to follow you. I pray that you would forgive me of all of the things that may have created barriers between you and I or that may have harmed others or harmed myself. I want to walk in freedom. I want a fresh start today. I want to walk in the Jesus way. Today, I acknowledge you are the way, the truth, and the life and that you laid down your life for me so that my life could be raised up. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing, both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash nextsteps. See you next time.